Ready to add a big dose of positivity and empowered perspective to your day? You've come to the right place. Welcome to She Said, She Said podcast. I'm Laura Cox Kaplan. Here, we tackle everything from imposter syndrome and confidence building to the best advice on how to lead yourself through life pivots, including the ones that knock you flat. For the past three years, I've talked to hundreds of experts about their stories. Here, you'll find their actionable advice and lessons, as well as my own tools that you can put to use in your own life. Stick around. I think you'll find this investment in you well worth it. Hi, friend. Welcome. I am so delighted today to welcome back my friend Dana Perino. Most of you know Dana from her work as an anchor on Fox News Channel. She is, of course, the co-host of The Five, co-anchor of America's Newsroom, and also an analyst for Fox election coverage and specials. She is also a New York Times best-selling author three times over with titles including, and the good news is, Lessons and Advice from the Bright Side. Let me tell you about Jasper and her latest, which is just out, is entitled Everything Will Be Okay, Life Lessons for Young Women from a Former Young Woman. It's fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Dana's also a history maker. As the first Republican woman to take the podium as White House Press Secretary for George W. Bush. But she's involved in many, many things, and much of Dana's off-air time these days is actually spent engaged in efforts to support other women. That includes her work with an amazing organization called Minute Mentor, which she co-founded along with friends Dee Martin and Jamie Zubak. In fact, much of the advice in this latest book stems from questions that Dana often received. Today, we're going to talk about that latest book. Again, it's entitled Everything Will Be Okay, Life Lessons for Young Women from a Former Young Woman. I love the title. It is packed with smart, thoughtful, practical, and actionable advice that I know you all value like I do. It's important whether you're just launching your career or looking to pivot. It really is terrific. As an aside, I was so incredibly honored that Dana included this podcast in her list of favorites for career and life advice for women. I am so grateful. I was also grateful that she asked me to endorse the book. So you'll see that little endorsement on the back when you pick up a copy. Dana is also a repeat guest on She Said, She Said podcast. She was my guest number 100 last spring. So if you missed that fabulous conversation, be sure to check it out. You'll find it on the website at She Said, She Said podcast. But today we're going to tackle some of the awesome advice in Everything Will Be Okay. Dana, welcome back to She Said, She Said. I'm glad I could come back with a finished product. (laughs) Well, I am so happy to have you once again. And I have not had a chance to properly thank you for including She Said, She Said podcast in the book. Well, I'm, I was thrilled to, um, you know, actually I was thinking when we first spoke on this podcast, um, I was in Bayhead, New Jersey, working from home. Mm -hmm. Uh, and on the weekends I was writing this book. Um, I also had time, I listened to a lot of podcasts, but I've pared down and what I try to do in the book is provide other resources. I don't have all the answers. Um, I find, she said, she said to be 
such a great accessible podcast. You get some oh, terrific guests. Thank you. Um, the topics are fantastic. And some of the ideas I'm like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Or it reinforces something you hadn't heard. The whole thing about emotional intelligence that you recently did, like, I love all of it. And your Instagram oh, is terrific. So hopefully um, there's a lot of people reading this. Um, hopefully you'll hear back that they found your podcast through this. I have no doubt. Well, I, as I told you, I am so, so grateful. Um, and I've loved the time that we've spent together. We've been friends for a long time. You came on and joined me in episode 100 for our 100th episode anniversary. <laughs> so to Good one. last, last year, which was really, really great. Um, you are a big, big proponent of women supporting women. And this is, you know, evidence, your endorsement of this podcast and support of what we're doing here at She Said, She Said is further evidence of that. So I'm really, really grateful, but we don't have a lot of time today. So I want to jump right into talking about this amazing, your latest book, which is fabulous, which is as of today. And I know by the time this airs, it's going to be even further up on the bestseller <laughs> list. It's right now number three, right? Yeah. So the New York Times bestseller list is, um, I I'm on the advice how to, which mm -hmm. I'm told that's a hard list uh, to, to crack. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yes, I'm, I'm delighted to be a New York Times bestseller for the third time, landing at number three. Um, the thing that happened that I was thrilled about is, I mean, it was a good problem and also like not a great problem, not a great problem to have. Um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, every everyone sold out of books in four days. Oh my gosh. Well, that's amazing. That's amazing. It's problem amazing. To have. Yeah. It's, yeah, it is. Um, now I did record the audiobook, and I, of course there's a Kindle version, uh -huh. but I love it that people want the hard copy and they seem willing to wait for it because I, I do think it's a book that you could go back to over and over again. There was a young woman that um, actually, I think she works in Fox. She, she sent me um, on Twitter. She said she has never taken so many screenshots of a book. I love that. I think that was so interesting. I was like, Oh, screenshotting a book is the way that we used to highlight. Right. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It's like, totally. Oh, I never, I would never have thought to screen that, but she had like a whole collage and an album of the best advice that she took from the book. And I said, yeah. I want to see that one day. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the digital copies of books anyway, because I still go and highlight through the digital copy and then I can download my highlights later, which I love being able to keep track of things that way. I didn't is, know you could download oh, the yeah. highlights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> It's one of my great, great Well, one secrets. thing I said that um, my assistant and I have a, um, a, a running list of all the things I want to do after the book is um, the tour is behind me. Mm -hmm. um, I have so many tech things that I want to do and improve and clean up. And um, <laughs> that's going to be one that I figure out how to do. I will share all of my tips such as they are with you. Okay, but let's talk about Everything Will Be Okay, which is the name of the book, Everything Will Be Okay, Lessons for young women from a former young woman, which I love the title. Makes me laugh every day. <laughs> why this book, Dana, and why that title? So when I wrote my first book, it was called And the Good News Is, and it was really um, an autobiography about answering the question I would get a lot, which is how in the world did somebody born in Wyoming end up as the White House press secretary for George W. Bush? And I also in that book wanted to tell people what it was like to work for President Bush behind the scenes when the press wasn't there. And so I shared a lot of stories and I all love that. But also because I'd had that opportunity and I'm sure you get this as well. Like I would get so many requests to go to coffee with young women because they're hungry for advice. So I started Minute Mentoring, which was like speed dating for young women, but still mm -hmm. even that didn't feel like enough. In that book, I, I 
put one chapter, chapter five, all my mentoring and advice in one place. And yet that wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. And what I also started realizing is that the quarter life crisis that I wrote about that I went through, you probably went through, Mm -hmm. um, what I've found in my mentoring of the last few years, that's following young women into their thirties and beyond. Now, here's the other thing. Um, We are whole people. So there's the work part of all that we do, but there's the life part as well. And so I did two things. I was like, okay, here's what you can do to figure out how to improve your career and your day-to-day work life and your career path. And then here's the way to make sure that you can enjoy some of your life as well as God intended. Yeah. So I just decided I can't have coffee with 800 people in a month. (laughs) So I was like, here you go. Yeah. Everything I had to say, I put it in here. I left nothing on the field. I love it. it. It is absolutely soup to nuts. It's very actionable advice that you can pick up and put to use right away. One of the, there's a number of things, really all of it resonates with me, but some things in particular, just because of issues that I've struggled with. And, and one is around this idea of defining the problem. Mm. And you give great advice on that. And, t- and you share a little story about uh, the fact that you can't solve a problem that you haven't defined. Maybe talk about mm-hmm. your own personal experience with defining the problem and then the tools that you have developed and you share in the book for mm-hmm. going about how you actually address it. Well, you'll recall that um, there's a saying in public policy and President Bush used to say it all the time, which is you can't solve a problem that you can't measure, that you haven't measured. So you have to measure it first. But you also need to define what is the problem. I tell this story about this young woman who uh, she had worked here. I don't think she'll mind me saying she worked here at Fox Then she went to work on a political campaign. uh, Well, actually, in um, in in a government office then on a political campaign. And when that campaign ended uh, without a win, um, then she was out of a job. And she was thinking, well, what am I, what do I do next? And she felt, well, honestly, she felt frantic. Um, she's a good friend of mine. And Peter and I called her on, our, on a drive one day on a, on, on a weekend. And we called her, she answered, how are you? And Laura, when I tell you, she spoke for five minutes straight without taking a breath. <laughs> and this is going to happen. And then this happened. And then I don't know. Da, 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 da. And she was thinking so far ahead of, right. about her life that she was like, and then I'll be 85. And then this will happen. I'm like, whoa, whoa. And I said, okay, you have to stop. You haven't breathed for five minutes. You don't sound like yourself. You are frantic. Are you sleeping? Let's let's go back. And so what we spent the rest of the journey, just walking through like, okay, what are the big issues that you need to deal with? And basically like triage in an emergency room, like mm-hmm. what are your biggest issues? And also what were some things that she could do that right away that could make her feel a little bit more in control? Like one of the things that had really bothered her, is she didn't know how to make sure she had all of her contacts, which are very important for networking. Mm-hmm. And if you're in uh, communication, how is she going to get her contacts into her new phone? <laughs> okay. Like that's an important consideration. It really is. And I'm like, like, okay, well, that should be something you do tomorrow. Okay. That's one thing you can do. Anyway, we walked it through like that. In order to write this book, I invited uh, 10 young women to my house for a dinner. And I said, I just want you to bring one thing, no hostess gift, no gift for Jasper. Um, Just tell me what is the biggest problem you're trying to solve? Mm -hmm. I think what happens is we all overthink everything. 
we have so many worries and we have the capacity to handle a lot. So by getting them to say, what is the biggest problem I'm trying to solve? You really hone down mm-hmm. and what it is and can focus and, and move on from there. Was there consensus with these young women that one thing really sort of rose to the top or was it sort of issues across the board? I mean, I know you've It's included- so interesting because what I find in Minute Mentoring and even at that dinner is that everyone recognizes the problem that the other person has. Uh, Work-life balance, right. um, managing your boss, mm-hmm. not feeling like you have enough direction at the office, like you're just like left there. Nobody trains you to do anything. And mm-hmm. I said, okay, well, that's a great thing. Like, yeah. You should embrace that. And you get to step in you know, and, and define it yourself. That's a little scary. Yeah. Um, there was one that was very different and it was a cultural one in which it was a young woman who, uh, whose family had grown, um, had come from um, the Middle East, mm-hmm. but she had been raised in America and her family was quite traditional. She was, she was respected the tradition, but she's an American girl mm-hmm. and she was struggling with that. So that was a little bit different, but everybody else could understand what the others were going through. One of the things you'll find is that a lot of young women today, they'll say, you know, I'm ready for my next big thing. Young women are ambitious and they're talented and they're educated and they are in the driver's seat. But you know, they'll, they'll maybe have two to three years experience. And the job at the next level requires five to seven years experience. And they feel like they're just up against this achievement gap that they can't figure out a way to deal with. So we talked about some of those things too. Yeah. Maybe talk a little bit about the advice that you give someone who feels that impatience. I certainly felt it at, at that point in my career. I suspect you did too. Yeah. What's your advice in the book for dealing with that? So I have a thing. One of the reasons I include um, your podcast in the book is I have a, a, a phrase, always be learning. Right. Uh, anybody that's in sales will have heard always be selling. I'm always be learning. Um, we didn't have tools like podcasts and free university right. and things when we were growing up. So to me, um, I say, you're in a competitive situation. How do you want to set yourself apart? So you could spend eight hours watching Bravo, or you could get some exercise, listen to a podcast and go to bed early. Yeah. Um, you could offer to do something different around the office. You could anticipate somebody's needs. I think that's such an important skill at the office, being able to anticipate what your boss is going to need. When you start to do that, you will see that that works. I also recommend taking on assignments or a position or a role that nobody else wants. And I've done that a couple of times and it does pay off. And actually you end up learning a lot um, and moving on or moving up. I just feel like, you know, if you are trying, let's say, and also right now, this book comes out on the one year anniversary of our two week lockdown to slow the spread. Right. Now work has changed completely. I don't know if you saw, but Ford Motor Company just announced that all of their 30,000 employees are going to be able to to work from home. That's amazing. And, you know, you can and, you know, you maybe come in once a week or so if there's going to be an important meeting or so. This is going to change work dramatically. I'm starting to get questions of how do I stand out if I'm not ever in the workplace? Here's my recommendation. If your place of work is offering an opportunity to be back in the office, I say, take it. Mm-hmm. Now, if your office is not offering that, then you have to figure out a way to, to make sure that you are in the loop on assignments and coordinated. That's going to take a little bit more effort on both the manager's part and the employees. You know, another, another element of that that I think is probably further exacerbated is this idea of getting feedback. 
And for women, oftentimes young, there doesn't really matter the age, but, but oftentimes women can feel like they don't always get quality feedback, right? If they are open to it and ready for it, accepting that feedback, then when you add the challenge of being in a virtual environment, you know, how do you, how do you think about that? How do you talk about feedback maybe and preparing for feedback in the book and making sure that A, you're getting it and B, that you're open to it? Yes. And actually I interviewed Lydia Finette. Oh, uh, I don't know if you've her. had her on. Yeah, yes, she's, she's yes. amazing. She you is amazing. Her, right? Yeah, so, I did. Um, I interviewed her for the book because I, I thought her book, The Most Powerful Woman in the Room is You. Mm-hmm. She, she talks about basically, if you don't get the job or the promotion, you need to ask yourself why. Right. You know, you don't just need to be mad and say the guys always win over the girls. Like she's like, you know, we all have to have some personal responsibility here and really think it through and to be willing to go to your boss and say, obviously I'm disappointed that mm-hmm. I didn't get the job, but I really want to improve. Are there two to three things? And then just keep the two, three, are there two to three things that I can do to improve upon. So the next time an opportunity comes around, I'll be in line to get it. Yeah. That latter point that you made is so important because it does take being proactive. If someone's not telling you something that's substantive or meaningful, you should have a few follow-up questions so that you can push them. And the more that you yeah. continue the conversation, right? The better I think the this chances is also going to come down to managers too. Like th- right. this is not all just going to be on the employees. You know, sometimes some of the best moments at work happen after the meeting when everybody's filing out and you say, that was a good idea. I got, we should catch up on that. I've got an idea. Let's, let's you know, go talk about, it. you don't get that on zoom. Here's the other thing. We're not, I'm on TV every day. So like seeing myself on TV, I'm like, okay, but I have hair and makeup and it's great. People are not used to looking at themselves all day long. Right. And the the self-consciousness that comes from that Mm -hmm. is is real. Also, if you are in an office setting and let's say you're more of an introverted person, you know, it takes a lot to get up and do public speaking. I feel like that's happening on Zoom too. So I I write about finding your strong voice, Mm -hmm. how you can do that. And figuring out a way, as my speech coach said, taking your butterflies and making them fly in formation. Mm. Oh, I love that. And I'm just here to say, like, I'm not going to tell you, don't worry, don't overthink, don't have anxiety, because I know you're going to. Right. What I'm saying is, can you take that energy and convert it into fuel that works for you? Yeah. Rather than working, working, working against you. Let's talk about that tactically, right? What are some of the tips and tools in the book for actually doing that, for taking that, that, that anxiousness and actually turning it into energy? How do we, how do you well, do that? I think, first of all, we have to recognize that we have anxiousness for a reason when you're going to perform. Um, that is biological. Um, one thing that we share with humans all across the world is that the number one fear of all humans is public speaking. Okay. So we, we all share that. Number one, recognize that number two on one of the ways to um, get over it a little bit is one, you just have to do it. Right. Okay. But to recognize that, that if you, if I didn't have some nerves every morning before 9am, right. When Bill Hemmer and I are going to start the news, like that would be the most boring newscast to watch in the world. Mm -hmm. You read about any big performers, read about performer that you love. Let's say you love Lady Gaga. Look what she goes through before she's going to perform Taylor Swift too just because people are successful doesn't mean they don't have that energy, but they use that energy to their benefit. And and you can do that too. The third thing I would say on that is I highly recommend reaching out to people that you, that either had a bad day or that, you know, 
it's, it's tough for them to present in front of the team or the board, send them a note of encouragement. I'm, I'm all for something I call kindness endorphins. Mm. Uh, and a study show that the kinder you are to people, the more you are uh, going to have this feeling that you'll feel better about yourself mm-hmm. if you're kinder to others. And if you are encouraging somebody else in public speaking, you'll worry less about your own worries. Does that make sense? I- it makes perfect sense. And what a way to make the world a better place, yeah. right? Just Absolutely. saying something nice or sharing a positive comment on somebody's social media or giving them a quick call or a quick text or just little Especially things. when they're having a bad day. Like yeah. if, let's say somebody really screwed something up at work. Peter tells this story about this um, guy at I, this young whippersnapper got hired. I, he says by IBM, this is years ago. And he like screwed up a decimal point and he lost, seven million dollars for the company that quarter and at the board meeting somebody asked him uh, the ceo are you going to fire that guy that lost seven million dollars and the ceo said why would i do that i just gave him a seven million dollar education and he was able as a boss to say that's how you learn from your mistakes but i'm, I'm hoping like if you ever have somebody well hopefully they don't lose seven million dollars but Someone in your team like has a bad day, gets yelled at by the boss. Oh my gosh, I have a great example. There's somebody that I know that recently got yelled at for no reason, like not their fault. And the person doing the yelling was having a bad day, mm-hmm. didn't realize it wasn't the person's fault, didn't apologize. I was mortified. So I could have ignored it. I had nothing to do with this situation at all. And part of our human temptation is to stay out of it. Right. But I was like, that's not the right thing to do. So I went and offered, you know, some words of comfort, didn't, didn't trash the other person or anything, but just said, look, like that was not your issue. I just, cause I, I did not want anyone to go home and like worry mm-hmm. and go over and over it over all the time. I tell this story in the book about how I got kicked out of the Oval Office in 2005 on like the third day of, of my job as the deputy press secretary. And I was, I've been mortified about it for years. Um, and it wasn't even my fault. It was like, oh, it's communications director's fault. Not my fault. I don't even know the president knew my name at the time. So he was basically like, I'm not doing an interview with this person. And therefore she doesn't need to be here. And he gave a little like a, like to see yourself out. And I went to my office and I called Peter and I was very tearful. And he said, well, just think for the rest of your life, you can, you can say I've been kicked out of better places than this. <laughs> and so years later, then I'd been press secretary and I was working on the president's book tour, doing the PR for it. Uh-huh. And we're on the plane. And I said, Mr. President, do you remember when you kicked me out of the Oval Office? Like, I never kicked you out of the Oval Office. I said, actually, yeah, remember? And then Dan said, and then this said, and then you said. And I can remember, Laura, I remember every detail. I remember what I was wearing. Oh, my God. It's mortifying. And, <laughs> uh, and, he, and I said, and I said, don't you remember? And he said, Dana, I, I have no recollection. Right, Are right. you still upset? And it had been ten, five, six years. And he's like, you have to let that one go. (laughs) Okay. So now I tell it as a funny story, but for years, I just would relive that. I'm like, oh my gosh, so embarrassing. It's a a great story, but something you said uh, before you told the story about the fact that you had called the person up who made the mistake Mm -hmm. and, you know, and and told them, you know, this is going to be okay. Or even if it's somebody who you don't know so well, and you reach out and give them that comfort, it's also a great way to build allies, right? People will always remember when you're there, when they're down, I mean, they'll never forget you. It's the, it's the best way to provide comfort and also really 
develop an ally and somebody who maybe you don't know as well, but you've offered them this, this help. Well, um, and, to re- and to rely on Lydia Finette one more time, I, because her paperback just came out and we did a little Instagram interview. Oh, good. She, I asked her for uh, tips for network. Well, one of the questions from a mentee was how do you network in a pandemic? And one of the things she said was you should try to network within your organization. So like, I actually, so I took that to heart and there's a young woman here who works in advertising. And she knows nothing about the production side of the business. So I was like, oh, I'll put you in touch with so-and-so. And they did a Zoom call and she learned a little bit more about that. And they learned about advertising. And all of a sudden now she's got a friend in another part of the company. I thought that was really smart. And that might be a way for people to at least network within their company while we figure out this pandemic stuff. Right. I think that's amazing. Let's talk for a second about um, differentiation and how we can set ourselves apart, whether it's at work in a job that we're in, or maybe as we think about how to differentiate ourselves when we're trying to get to that next leg, what's your advice on differentiation? Well, I think that's so important. I mean, one of the things is you could be the same, you know, let's say if there's a job opening here, you might get 50,000 resumes. Right. Okay. So like, what's going to make a difference? Knowing people, sure, that helps. Um, I would say a couple of things. One, when I go to interview, um, I will ensure I am the most well-read person in the room. Like there will, no, no one will ever outread me. And that's how I dealt with my nerves of going into the White House briefing room. That, that was my armor. Yeah. Okay. So that was my competitive advantage or my differentiator. There's a few people too, also that I think that if you've had an, an amazing experience or you have an, an incredible hobby, um, those things stick out. Yeah. You know, if, if you, if you, um, were bold some, one time and, and you took on, um, an effort or, or, or a trip or moved, um, because just because you could, I'll tell you one example, a lot, some of these young people are going to have great differentiators. I interviewed a kid from Chicago two weeks ago. He's 15 years old. And he started a thing called Vaccine Angels because his grandparents had flip phones and they couldn't figure out how to get an appointment to get a vaccine. So he did it for them on, and his grandmother put that on Facebook. And then he started getting all these requests. Like, can you help me get an appointment? He was overwhelmed. So he's like, just asked a whole bunch of his friends. Could you guys, do you guys want to do this as an effort? So now he's got like 30 young people that are working to help organize uh, vaccines, that has nothing to do with what he wants to do career-wise, but in the future, and when he's applying for a job, is that something that would be a differentiator? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's amazing. And you're going to have to think about some of those things because especially if you're in school now, um, I don't know how your kids are, are dealing with school, but you know, some of the extracurricular activities, they're gone Yeah. and volunteer efforts have changed. So finding a way to make a difference and be somebody that stands out, whether in the key club or on the, on the team, as, as the sports comes back and they will, um, that makes a big difference. Yeah. Hey, let's talk big picture about the impact that you hope to have with this book and how it maybe it has a different impact than the impact your yeah. past books have had. So I feel that I worried away my twenties mm. and I don't want young people to do that. There's no need because when, if you read the book, you'll see that every single time there's a career advancement for me, I wasn't planning for it. Yeah. In fact, I was going to resign from the White House the day that I ended up becoming the White House press secretary. That's an amazing um, story. It's a, yeah. It's, and I, I, so one lesson is always let the other person go first in a meeting. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I think that's really my goal, Laura, that I, I wanted 
them to stop worrying and to have some tools all in one place. I don't really think there's been sort of an up-to-date modern guide for young women just to dive into. I have, there's people right here. They've read the book three times already mm-hmm. I love you know, that. because they're so hungry. They, here's the thing though. They want us to give them a plan because I think if I give them the plan that they'll become the white house press secretary. And what I'm stressing in here is that you have to know no plan is going to work out exactly like you think goals are great. Preparation is wonderful, but being ready to enjoy the journey is very important. At the end of the book, I include something called the serenity checklist. Mm -hmm. And it's a tool that I've used since college to help me manage anxieties and worries, um, where I take a piece of paper on one column, all the worries and anxieties, the next column, check mark, whether I have control over that issue or not. And then the third column, if I do have control over it, an action plan for how I'm going to deal with it. And then taking that piece of paper, putting it in my pocket or in my wallet, in my backpack, and being able to take it out when I feel those worries start to mm-hmm. you know, get to here and I realize I'm not breathing, yeah. <laughs> that I have, I've, it's been an exercise that's helped me a lot. And I realized when I am asked for mentoring advice, they're worried about a lot of things. That's why I wanted to focus. What's the biggest problem you're trying to solve? Yeah. And if you, do you have control over this or not? And what's your action plan? And then you can convert that fuel into energy that's more productive. Yeah. You're also a big pen and paper person too. I mean, Absolutely. It's a, computer's I'm great. Like, but... Look, and I'm going to tell you something right now. If you're in a Zoom meeting and you're texting on your phone, your bosses notice. Hmm. And if, you, if you're in the office and you get a chance to go to a meeting, do not take your phone. Sit on your phone. Nothing isn't going to happen that is important on your phone. If you have to use your phone, you need to step out of the meeting. I'm, I, am, I feel like I should take out a PSA on this. <laughs> I keep seeing it. I'm like, girls, stop it. <laughs> right. And, and it, this may be to some degree back to the your your tagline in the title of the book, Former Young Women. Some of this is somewhat generational because I suspect yeah. those, those young people would tell you, oh, no, we're taking notes on our phone. But it is distracting. And for somebody oh, who's but I'm like, no, you're a not. day over the age of 25. I know 45. exactly what's happening. Because <laughs> <laughs> they can do 20 things on their phone all at once. Right. That means they're not focusing. And here's my thing. I'm telling you that everything will be OK, but that's only if you do some work. You want to have a great career and you want to have the work-life balance. You want to have all this. Fine. Then I provided you a guide. I'm not telling you exactly how to do it, but if you do these things that are in here, your chances of success at the office or getting that new job or the promotion or finding a different career path and um, becoming a leader and a manager and finding some more serenity and well-being, there is information in here that will help you get there. But you have to decide to work. I wrote the book. You have to do the work. Absolutely. I mean, there are very few things that can replace the importance of hard work. It is really, it's one of those things that's right up there at the top. Yeah. Um, With just a second or two left, I know you're a big reader. What's on your nightstand these days that we should know about? I am reading Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. It's a, I mostly read fiction. Mm -hmm. Um, That's my favorite. Um, I read The Four Winds by Kristen Hanna. Mm -hmm. Loved it. Um, And what's the next? Oh, I also just read The Storyteller's Secret, and I can't remember that author's name. Mm. So I've read those three. Um, and also I read Think Again, The Power of Knowing What You Don't Know by Adam I, Grant. I love, I love that. I love Adam yeah. Grant. I'm a big fan. Very okay. good. Those are awesome titles. Dana, so awesome to have you here today. It's really, really great to see you. I love the book. It's called Everything Will Be Okay, Life Lessons from 
four young women from a former young woman. <laughs> yeah, it's a tongue twister. It's, it's a tongue twister, but it makes people laugh. Yeah, no, it's the best. It's the best. And you Thank are the you, best. Laura. I'm so You're grateful. Yeah, I appreciate family. your friendship. Hi. Thank you. Okay. I, I'll do it. Big heart. You too. Bye. Tell Peter hello and Jasper. Bye, well. Bye-bye. Bye, love. Hey, friend. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with my friend Dana Perino as much as I did. Remember, her new book is called Everything Will Be Okay, Life Lessons for Young Women from a Former Young Woman. I've included a link to purchase that book in the show notes for this episode, episode 146. And I've also included links to Dana's previous books as well. Now, before I let you go, I need your help. If you're enjoying She Said, She Said podcast, I would love to hear from you. And there are several ways that you can contact me and send us some feedback. The first, if you are listening on iTunes, is to click the review button there, give us five stars, and then write just a few words about why you listen to She Said, She Said podcast. Those comments help others who are looking for podcasts like this one to find it. And I also love hearing from you. You can also direct message me on Instagram at Laura Cox Kaplan or at She Said, She Said podcast. And finally, you can use the contact link at the She Said, She Said podcast.com website to send me a message as well. Be sure to include why you listen and what we can do to continue to improve this content and make it even more meaningful for you. Friends, most of all, I am so grateful that you've chosen to spend some time with us today. I hope you found this little investment in you well worth it. I'll see you next time. Until then, take care.